Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Uh, the government, of course, have delayed the fourth phase once again. There doesn't seem to be any scientific reason as to why they're doing it this time. It's a hunch, from what I believe, from what I can see. Oh, international evidence. I believe I thought we were going by the evidence of Ireland. It started off with let's flatten the curve, let's crush the curve. Now I think we just want to get rid of the curve altogether. So I, do, I don't know. I think a lot of people are very unhappy today. I think the tide is starting to turn. I think people are starting to get a little bit pissed off at this stage. We understand lives are important. We understand we don't want to put hospitals under pressure. They're not under pressure. The 17 people with COVID 19 in hospital, five in ICU. For God's sake, it's a population of 5 million people. How many hospitals have we got in the country? They're not under pressure. Not from COVID 19 anyway. They will be under pressure when they get back the people who are meant to be there for day surgeries and for other surgeries that were elective surgery that were all cancelled we'll get around to talking about that later on as well and the pubs of course have not opened once again which is devastating for the sector uh, we'll talk about that but first something that's very confusing for everybody is the green list now they've taken countries off the green list Cyprus, Malta, Gibraltar, Monaco and San Marino have all been removed from the green list I don't think anything's been bloody added to it but they've all been removed and talk to me a little bit more about it is Owen Curry, who's the editor of Air and Travel magazine good afternoon to you Owen. good afternoon Niall this green list is confusing me no end because they're going to review it every two weeks I believe are they basing it on the previous two weeks or just on that particular moment in time and what the cases are like in those respective countries? Oh, don't, you're not even confused. I'm going to start confusing you. Both. Uh, they actually have a pick, pick the day and they say this is the rolling average over the previous two weeks. But the rolling average for tomorrow will be different from the one for today. In the period of the two weeks we've had the green list, uh, two countries uh, snuck in that weren't in it. Uh, Ireland went from four to nine, which meant that we could possibly have taken in a few extra countries. But most of Europe went through uh, individual regionalized spikes themselves. And some countries that were close to making the green list went off the other end. Some countries that uh, really were, uh, some countries that were not very close to making the green list are now very close. It's capricious, it's volatile, and it's quite clear we've only had two published green lists that it is it makes it impossible for anyone to make to have a coherent strategy in no. planning travel. So if I if I for office. example if I if a week and a half ago I decided to go to Cyprus and I had you know two weeks off and I said I'd go to Cyprus because I don't have to self isolate because my boss doesn't have to give me an extra two weeks right. off. I'm now all of a sudden sitting in Cyprus looking at the news going shite I have to isolate now. Now, exactly. And Malta and Cyprus were on the list. They're off the list. Extra flights were put on to Greece, for instance, uh, by TUI and by Ryanair. Uh, They didn't do Cyprus, but there was a surge of bookings to both Malta and Cyprus. Malta was best in class. They were actually the very bottom when we produced the first green list. Now they're way out there. And when you think it's a small country, what put them way out there? They uh, rescued 86 migrants with COVID-19 oh, who were very close to Africa. They're in the Maltese hospitals. They're being isolated. They're being treated. They're in the statistics. But they're officially on the statistics as having COVID-19. And then you go to the original green list, which has 15 countries that you can fly into without self-isolating. Great news. Four of the countries don't have flights to Ireland. Two of them don't have airports. I know, no, I got an email from a guy yesterday and asked me to talk about something. I can't remember the exact email, but I think he'd been to Gibraltar and he flew in through France, if I'm not mistaken. Would that be right? 
Yeah, it's a great green list if you have a yacht. Okay, okay. Um, and he flew into France and he said he was stopped at Dublin Airport by the Garda and asked to fill out the form and told that he had to limit his movements for 14 days. And he said, well, hold on, Simon Coveney said I didn't have to because I was transient to France. So why am I being asked to do it now? And the Garda, he said, we're just doing our job. So, huh, I mean, so do you, I mean, if you come to a non-green list country to get to a green list country... Are we, have we clarity on that? The WHO and Coveney seem to think that it's okay, but the guard at Dublin Airport are telling people it's not. The guards at Dublin Airport are just getting as confused as you and I are this morning. They, uh, Simon Coveney went on Morning Ireland and was asked the question, and he seemed not quite clear about it, but he did say you can come to a third uh, country. The reason is for those uh, places we're supposed to be able to fly back from, and the original green list is down to one now, didn't have, uh, don't have direct flights. But the other thing is that there's an awful lot of travel uh, going through a third airport at the moment, including people flying to Dublin and flying on in other directions. Yeah, I've just found his email, actually. He came to Malaga Airport. That's what it was. Sorry, That would make sense from Gibraltar. It would make sense to come to Malaga. If you're coming from Monaco, you'd be coming through France. You'd be coming from Nice. Uh, The... So, in other words, he came from Spain, which was is not a good area, according right. according to the list. So, he, he was told by the guards that he had to isolate for 14 days. Absolutely. Italy is the only significant country there. They, like, okay, there are it's ironic, countries. actually, that Italy will be the only significant country when, unfortunately, Italy was the hotspot at the very start of all this. Absolutely. And that shows you how volatile it is. Um, you know, if there are 112 flights out and 112 into Dublin today, nine of those are greenlist countries. The rest are not. Uh, 12 out of Cork, no, no green-listed country. 10 out of Shannon, no green-listed country. 4 out of Knock, no green-listed country. We're putting, we put nearly 20,000 through Dublin Airport the busiest day last week. The, the, it is such a joke. It has been completely ignored by the travelling public because you cannot make a plan. And while you know the government is making all the sound about the bucket and spades and it's wrong to go on holiday, there are machines not being serviced in Ireland now because the engineers can't come in to do it because they're not going to be sent in uninsured and not being on the green list. It only means one word, uninsured. It's the, the yes. people that are going to take the... A lot of people don't travel with travel insurance anyway. A lot of people are now in a position where self-isolating when they come home uh, isn't a big deal because they're working remotely. But uh, it does stop commerce. It does stop trade. And it does send a really important message out to the rest of Europe because 26 of the 27 EU countries have signed up to this agreement that they would drop their internal borders by June the 15th and they all held to it. Well, we went off. We actually didn't opt in. We were a bit of an outlier. We're a bit of an outlier on this one, aren't we, really? We didn't didn't decide one way or the other. Well, Ireland is technically closed for businesses. I mean, that seems to be the case. It's it's one thing being closed. It's another thing sending the message around the world. Big sign-up. There are other countries with bigger problems. You know, Sweden would have a huge problem, but uh, uh, they, they all have said there's an opening date, there's a target. We want to be back in the business in 2021. Ireland's running around with its two hands in its ears saying we don't want to travel like a character out of just William. It's just... Um, 
We it's don't see. I mean, d- judging by yesterday's, you know, speech at the cabinet, there we and of course, Leo wanted to grab the headlines and tell everybody first before Michal got it out of his mouth. But anyway, I mean, it does look like we really don't know what we're doing. That we're kind of just making it up as we're going along, looking at other countries. What are they doing? Even though their countries geographically, uh, population-wise, and maybe culturally are very different to ours, we're looking at other countries and saying, "Well, they did this, so maybe we should do that as well." That's a good idea. We don't really know what we're doing. We we um, have allowed one narrative to dominate. Is more uh, what's happening. Uh, the Enfus or Nefit, as they call themselves now, the artists formerly known as Enfus, <laughs> they are actually saying, uh, as they're supposed to say, let's be really careful. Let's get this down to zero. Let's chase zero. Very well publicised letter signed by all these academics. Go for zero. That means no international travel. They would like to see the airports and the ports closed. The government. But I, I mean, that. On, on that note, just from an economic point of view, of course, Virgin Atlantic uh, filed for bankruptcy in America yesterday. Yeah. Um, you've got Aer Lingus uh, reporting losses of 4.6 billion, I think it was, uh, suggesting that their Cork and Shannon bases may have to close. Uh, if I'm, you could correct me on this if I'm wrong. Uh, you've got British Airways suing the British government, Ryanair suing the Irish government. Where do, where does the aviation industry stand? How long more can they put up with this? They need things to. They need some sort of return to international connections. And the reality is, Ireland hasn't been bad on that end of it. We've kept our connections open, even at the worst time. In April the twelfth, I think we had twelve flights out of Dublin Airport and twelve in. We we had some sort of uh, basic connectivity there. But what the government is uh, well seems uncomfortable with us. And while uh, NFS are coming up with this advice, which is their right to say, as medicals, medical experts, this is what we want, the checks and balances that are on the other side and were imposed in the other side, we see them across Europe with the same debate. Other countries have made big sacrifices. Other countries have come sometimes from worse problems, literally being an example to where they are today. And they all are going through this business of managing the reopening in a better fashion than we are. But we're, we're, we're looking for some sort of fantasy target, I mean, this zero target that we're talking about. As I said earlier on, initially we wanted to flatten the curve, then we wanted to crush it, now we want to remove it altogether, right? I mean, that's not practical. Australia and New Zealand did that. They were all getting patted on the back, but some of the best scientists and epidemiologists in the world says, you know, good luck to them, but they're never going to allow a tourist into their country again because it just takes one more case to start it all off. And look what's happening in Melbourne at the moment. Seven people have died and all of a sudden the whole city's on lockdown again. Regions are in lockdown. So to get down to zero is a pointless exercise. I remember years ago in radio, uh, a programme director telling me he didn't want to be the number one uh, radio station in the city because he said it's harder to be number one than it is to be number two. Do you understand what I'm saying? So once you're number one, you've got to stay there. But if you're number two, you can you can have a little bit of leeway. So, if you know, I mean, what harm is it to have, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 cases a day, as long as those people are not badly sick or, you know, are ending up in hospital, or, you know, reasonably young people? The question is what happens next if you actually are in a position. There's about 20 or 30 countries like Nauru, Vanuatu, St. Helena, where Napoleon was in exile. They've, the question is how long do you wait, as you say, mm-hmm. before you let somebody in? The reality is that while Nefet are within their rights, making that case for zero, it's up to somebody else to decide. It's up to the medicals to do advise, and it's up to somebody else to advise, to decide. And the green list was to be that decision. We were promised it in May, we were promised it in June. It eventually came in July the 20th, and the second edition came yesterday. And it's quite clear it's 
a shrugged shouldered, oh, we have to produce a list. Here's a list of countries with, with lower cases than Ireland. Not designed to facilitate travel. Now, what happens when you do that? You end up with this almost this piracy going on where people are making their own decision to travel to Spain and Portugal, going off and coming back outside of the regulated travel that the government is talking about and the green list is supposed to impose. We have uh, in, we have 3% or, or, or sorry, nine, nine flights of our 112 within the regulated travel system and the rest outside. That puts pressure on everything. It puts pressure on the track and trace. It puts, puts pressure on that poor, unfortunate Garda that your uh, correspondent mm-hmm. met in the airport trying to do his job. I'm not quite clear what how is the condition with a third uh, country. Yeah. And it's wrong because we should. If there is a plan in place. There's a well-managed safe plan put together by the European Centre of Disease Control and the European Air Safety Authority saying this is the standard across Europe. This is what the rest of Europe is doing. We've decided not to do that and we've left ourselves in this unregulated madness which, you know, from, uh, from a medical point of view, I'd imagine is not ideal. I mean, at what point, just finally, Owen, I mean, surely the answer to all this, I said it to Stephen Donnelly when I spoke to him about five or six weeks ago, and I know he mentioned it then during the week as well as testing at the airports. Surely the, 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 the we need to get to a point where we have a bay at the airport that con- people who come in from high-risk countries that are not on a green list automatically get tested. Everybody else gets a temperature check on the way in the, ga- in the door, and if you have a temperature, you're sent off to be tested. 20-minute test, cost you 50 quid, off you go and enjoy your holiday if you come back negative, and don't enjoy your holiday if you're positive, you're going home or you're going into some place to, to isolate for 14 days. Why, why can't every country just do that, and we can get aviation back up and running again? There's a couple of answers to this. The most important one is regionalised. The Canary Islands is not the same as Spain. Uh, the, Bavaria is not the same as Westphalia and Germany. And the second one is, on, on that antigen short, quick turnaround testing, the big two problems with it are confidence and cost. 85% Co- successful, I believe, those tests. This is the Abbott testing system. takes 12, 12 and a half minutes or something. 85% successful, I believe. The, the, the dynamic has changed on that in the last week and you see Britain bringing it up on a mass scale. Um, the three airports have brought it in, Reykjavik, Vienna, um, Helsinki. They were targeting 190 for it and it was not regarded very highly internationally. We are moving into a situation there's much more trust in it, but it's also quite costly. And the, the question of how much resources you put into airport testing when there's so much else going on in the community is certainly one that the government will have to consider. But it's, you're absolutely right. Anything to calm down the fears of people. And not just the fear, it's to bring back the... I mean, look, look, the amount of people who depend on tourism in this country, you know, coach drivers, etc., etc. I mean, the, the tourism in industry itself is worth billions to this country every year, so we need it. There are 200,000 jobs at stake here, because, you know, out of the, yep. uh, and the, our inbound tourism will, you know, home holidays will probably keep them, sta- some of them staggering, but we may end up with the world reopening in 2021 and 2022 and having nothing to sell because there's nothing left. Okay. It's left. It's a huge, huge problem. Remember uh, that own, travel is responsible for 1.6% of the cases of coronavirus. And we've 26,000 cases and not one of them came from an American tourist. I know, I know. This whole idea I was spotting American tourists and Kerry wandering around. Chasing them and harassing them. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, 
it's a question of, um, you know, taking a proper, calm, measured decision, let Nefes make their advice, take consideration of it, put the safeguards in place, look to the European Centre of Disease Control and the European Air Safety Authority. These guys are in the business of safety. If you're flying people around, safety is what your first concern is. That's why they have such a low, low crash rate. They're really, really concerned about safety. So look at all the advice. Look at okay, all well, very, advice. very quickly before you go, last question. I'm going on holidays tomorrow. I'm not really, by the way. I'm just saying this. I'm going on holidays tomorrow. Where do you think I should go? Where's the safest bet that well, I won't have to isolate? You won't have to isolate in two countries, Italy and Greece. Okay, and which, is, which have, is the safer bet that's not going to end up? Your... Which one is not going to end up on a bad list in two weeks, do you think? Um, Italy will, will, neither of them will, well, Italy's lower than Greece, but um, they're, okay, a big country is a good bet because a small number, we saw it in Malta, a small number of cases can push a small country from being best in class to, to be worse. down at the back with <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, thank you very much indeed. Own Curry, who's the editor, the, and, uh, the editor of Air and Travel magazine. Uh, all right, now let me go to Cahill Malloy, the wedding band singer. That sounds like a title of a movie. Because, of course, as you all know, um, the pubs aren't allowed to open or weren't allowed to open. Uh, they won't be open on Monday. Uh, a lot of people devastated. I did with the pub owner on last night, actually crying on the air. She was so upset that her pub and her business won't be open. And according to Michal Martin, when he was asked the question, will it be open this year? He actually said he can't give any guarantees right now. This is devastating for the sector, devastating for everybody involved, not just the pub owners, but for those who are actually wedding band singers, etc., etc. So Carl Malloy is from the Wedding Band Association. Good afternoon to you, Carl. Good afternoon, Niall. Nice, nice to talk to you again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I look, I get a job on the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a co-host, yeah. yeah. You can sing all the bits that I can't say, you know what I mean? Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Carl, I mean, this is not good news because, of course, weddings have been affected too because, obviously, gatherings haven't been increased as promised. So those who wanted to have a wedding, say, for, you know, 90 people um, and was planning to have it next week or the week after, it's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen, Niall. And look, I'd like to speak on, on, on behalf of wedding suppliers. I, I founded Wedding Supply and I founded the Wedding Band Association. So musicians and suppliers and venues in this case. Like two bullet points I'd like to make. The, the wedding industry itself, someone had said it's worth 800 million. It's not. It's well north of 1.5 billion. We put the figures together on this. And, and that's what it's worth. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Issue um, mm. and bullet point I'd like to get out. Yeah. There, yeah. Go ahead, Jam. Listen yeah, to you. Other, yeah. Sorry, I lost you. The other bullet point is venues and capacity and we, we me and you touched off this before like the whole numbers game is just nonsense it, you know if you look at the Knightsbrook and Trim or I, I don't want to name too many venues that have large ballrooms they would have a fire safety cert to say what capacity that room could take and it's a simple very, very simple algorithm to work out how many people you can put that, in that room that's safe yeah, you, you could just use a percentage of that for every venue. In other words, you could say you can take 35 or 40% capacity. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the way that's... And we're going to be pushing for change over the next three weeks. We're creating a bit of an alliance and we're going to be pushing the government on this to look at that instead of shouting 50 people or 100 people. I could put 50 people in my sitting room if I could, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the point. Look, we need to be thinking about the wedding couples and the wedding vendors here. Well, I feel sorry for somebody who might have cancelled the wedding, then rescheduled it, uh, knowing that they were told that this phase was coming in, even though it was delayed, that this phase was coming in, that they would be allowed to have 90 people. So they might have had 120 initially. They took scrubbed 20 off their list, or 30 off the list. Now they've 90 people. Now they're being told, sorry, you have to scrub another 40 off your list. Yeah, and 
seeing what I'm seeing on the trend of our own customers and clients, some of them are just going to go with the 50 now because they're just so fed up of having to play the jigsaw puzzle of jumping around um, and they're just going to go with the 50. And have you had any calls yet today, any weddings that you're doing in in the coming weeks? Yeah, a couple now have dropped out of September, but the fear for us, Niall, is that vendors and, and bands and, and, and venues, they're seeing people holding out in September, October, November, um, but the problem is now with this announcement again, there's always another, right, we're going to try and find a date. But see, if year. I was organising anything, I'll be honest with you, Carl, be it a wedding or be it an anniversary party or a birthday party, I've lost confidence in the sector now at this stage because, yeah. uh, and not because of the sector, because of the government's decisions. I, I, I would be uh, sitting there thinking, I don't think I'd bother because it's going to be cancelled or there was a good chance it's going to be cancelled. I'll lose money or I'll upset friends. So I'm not going to bother booking it. True. I think the realistic thing about all of this is we need to be realistic as well. Like, it's going to be next year before we get back to probably full scale, I would think. But how, do you, but how do you figure that out? And, and Carl, I'm having a go with you, by the way. Yeah. So the government are making this decision based on nothing. There's no scientific evidence to back up this decision they made yesterday. There's 17 people with COVID in hospital in this country, five in ICU. Um, the cases that we had, the increase in cases, most of which were in a cluster, clusters um, uh, in meat factories, by the way, again. Exactly that. Um, so if we leave them aside, and I'm not saying they're not important, but if we leave them aside, the cases really in the community haven't jumped that much at all. So we've made this decision based on no scientific data, on a hunch, on a hunch. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, you know, I could understand going backwards with decisions if people were dropping dead on the streets, but they're not. They're not. That's not and happening. No, we're getting better at this as well, right? There's less deaths. We should be basing this on deaths. Absolutely. And yes. And that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, the government don't really. Two people, I think, died in the last week. Two people. Now, don't yeah. get me wrong. And my condolences to the family of the of two people. But also, my condolences, as I said last night, to the other 89 people who die every single day of the week in this country. Exactly that. You know what I mean? I'm with I'm with you on that. The, my, my statement saying that we might be next, you know, early next year before we get back to a real full scale. It's going to be a bumper year next year for weddings and 2022. That's the trend at the moment. But we need to be thinking about the couples at the moment. Government are overseeing the wedding industry, and we're going to start shouting over the next three weeks to get that number changed to capacity. I think that's a that's a crucial point. Okay. Okay. And and all these vendors that are out of work, they can't pay their mortgage come September. Bank. Bank, pay, bank breaks are going to are on PUP. You know, all of this stuff is going to start changing in September. But we were we were relying on weddings to happen, and now they might not happen because okay. of this announcement. Well, listen, I hope you guys get back to work, and I, I know you're, you're, you seem optimistic, and yeah, it, hopefully we'll all be back to normal by next year, but you know, I know there's a lot of entertainers, a lot of bars, a lot of people in the industry out there who may not even survive that long, to be honest, because they're on their, their knees financially as it is at the moment. But let's finish off this interview before I go into the break on a, ni- a lighter note. Uh, let's have a little sing-song before we go into the break. <laughs> what's, what's the most popular band song at a wedding? Is this the way to Amarillo? Um, Definitely it, not that. We don't no? do cheese. No, wedding band association bands don't do cheese. Right? Is that cheese? Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm really low cheese. I'm okay, really so okay, cheese. so what's the most popular wedding song? Oh, look, you know what? The old school '90s stuff is back. That's all happening now. Sandstorm. You know all those tunes. Being a DJ, you know. Oh and, right. Uh, oh, what? A bit, like a bit of house music and Children by Robert Miles. You know, it's not over. And yet, do you do all? Well, obviously you can't sing that because there's no vocals in it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, People but love it. I, yeah. But, but what are you using? Are you, are you actually playing now, Carl? Live. You level with me. Nobody else is listening, all right? Just right. level with me here, okay? <laughs> when you're doing Children by Robert Miles, right? Totally live. I, I, okay, so you're there at the keyboard. Are you playing yeah. it, or is that on a sequencer? 
absolutely not. One thing about our, our own band is we never, ever use backing tracks. But I'm not knocking backing tracks. There's nothing wrong with them, right? But, mm. you know, we don't use them. We've got a great keyboard player. He gets all the sound. And it's just, it's nice to kind of have that kind of um, different sound coming from a band. And people get it once they hear that little signature riff. What, what about what about two unlimited? Get ready for this. <laughs> Is that still a big one? That's a massive one. <laughs> yeah, here you, you know, go. And, you know, or hit the diff. What about hit the diff? Hit the or slip the clutch. My <laughs> God. Well, just on another note, not to keep you, but uh, to all the wedding band association members, we uh, completed a course, an online course yesterday, COVID nineteen officer training course. Because we're looking at how we got back and not when we get back. Right, right okay. okay. X, y, and, Z. and one of the guys that was training us, he said, look, you know, there's a lot of health hazards, you know, and even without the risk of COVID, you know, there's the risk of me coming up at two o'clock in the morning asking the DJ for slip the clutch. <laughs> slip the clutch. <laughs> That's a health hazard. Yeah, wagon wheel. <laughs> Listen, yeah. thanks very much indeed, Carl Malloy, the, um from uh, yeah. Pink Flamingo, Pink Champagne, uh, Pink Flamingo. Yeah, we go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Pink Champagne. And uh, also uh, the wedding band associate, head of the wedding band associate, you can go onto their website, by the way, if you're looking for a wedding band. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Carl. As usual, uh, after the break, by the way, I want to know what you think of the decisions made by the government yesterday. Not just about the pubs not opening, by the way. That's really important. The outdoor gatherings, i.e. the weddings, for example, you can't for indoor gatherings. Uh, the green list changing. If you happen to be booked to go away to Cyprus Mall, to Gibraltar, Monaco, or San Marino, for any of you have been lucky enough to go there, um, of course, you're not going to be going now. Well, you are going to be going, but you'll have to self-isolate when you come back. I mean, do you agree with these decisions being made by the government? And also, the other one that people are forgetting about, the pubs that are open now will now all have to close at 11 o'clock because we all know that COVID goes to bed at 11. Now you need to stop singing on the radio. <laughs> well, yeah, I know I'm not a great singer, hence I work in radio, you know what I mean? And I, I talk, that's what I do, I don't sing. Uh, see, I send me in some texts, by the way, with your favourite wedding songs. I'd like to know what they are. Uh, what's, what's the other one, the Brian Adams one? Summer of 69, Isn't that, that has to be a great wedding song. Am I completely out of touch now? Am I getting too old or something like that? I'm glad I'm not a wedding DJ anymore. I'd probably ruin somebody's wedding. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number's 87 8 uh, Don't forget you can give us a call as well. Now, earlier on I happened to mention uh, when we were talking about our travel, why haven't we gone around to testing uh, using you know these t- new testing systems that are quicker? But of course, the fear is, will they be reliable? Now, Chris is from Key Diagnostics, and he just happened to ring in because I think he's emailed us before, actually, in relation to this. Uh, but Chris, can you give me a, little, a short insight into how these new fangled testing systems works for COVID-19? OK, so uh, first of all, I, I really appreciate the, the opportunity to talk to you. And, and I think anybody who has an interest in the COVID situation should stop what they're doing for five minutes okay. and listen to what we're about to talk about, because... I think this one conversation could actually be a game changer for the population of this country. I think that's how significant this conversation that we're about to have is. Okay. Because there is a, a tinge of um, a conspiracy that, that it, this has not been adopted yet. And, and I'll explain. What do you mean, airport, airport testing? Is this? N- n- not just even that. And, okay. And, and, and I'll explain as, as we go a little bit further and deeper into this. But this test has been with the government. For eight weeks. Is this the Abbott testing system? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, the, the, okay. Well, what is the Abbott testing system? Oh, okay, so Abbott is the name of a company. So okay. that's their, their test, right? So there are okay. three fundamental tests that are being used at the moment. So PCR is number one. Okay. And PCR basically takes a swab test. It's then sent to a laboratory, and you, you, it depends on the laboratory where it goes. Approximately 24 hours later, you get your, uh, your result. Okay. 
The next one is an antibody test, and that tests to see, it's a blood test to see, to see if, if you, you had have, it. If you yeah. had it, correct. Okay, so I could have yeah. had it three months ago, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, the next now, one Now, by the way, in relation to that particular test, there is yeah. a lack of credibility on that test. There is inaccuracies in that, isn't there? There's inaccuracies in them all. Anyone who, who, who uses the, the, the actual percentages of the tests as a reliable marker is actually incorrect. Because okay, because I believe that, that antibody test can pick up, for example, if you've had a common cold in the last six months or whatever. Yes, yes. Well, because, they, it, because it, it, they've been it, a coronavirus too, yes. Yes, but it's also, it's, it's a little bit deeper than that. The, the different testing regimes find it at different levels and at different timelines as well. Okay. And, and, I mean, and we're, we're discussing this. I'm not a, I'm not a medical person, but I, I am involved in this and, and I have done extensive research and I'm not pretending to be a medical expert, but I have, and you will have in your possession because you actually have the attachments on an email, you actually have all of this information, and and you can look at this. Later. Oh, I do. I do apologise because I don't. Yeah. I don't get to read every single I email. That. No, I, no, I, I, I do get to read some of them, honestly. But yeah, and I'm not. I'm not taking that. Uh, what, what what I mean is, what I'm about to tell you is all substantiated in the information that you actually have yourself in the email that 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 actually yeah. shows okay. and, and 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 outlines all of this. So the Tor test is like the Abbott test that you're talking about, which is it's called it's an antigen type test. And there are two ways to do an antigen test. So one is it goes into a machine. And do so you stick this in your in your mouth as well? Is this in, yes, in down yes. your throat? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the test itself, the swab test um, for the PCR test is through the nose normally in 90, 90% of cases. Yeah. And it's an uncomfortable test. The one down the throat is slightly different in that that test is taken from the back of the throat and it's not as invasive. Yes. So the antigen test that I'm going to discuss with you right now Okay. So it, it has it has a level of the way it works. So it's two minutes for the patient to sit down and for the swab to be taken. Okay. It's three minutes then to process the swab. So that puts it into a solution called Hank solution. Okay. And then it's eight minutes for it to be exposed to common air, nothing else. And then two minutes, it has to sit after that for the results to settle. Now, it uses really simple technology. It's exactly the same as a pregnancy testing kit, which has been around for 40 years. It's a, it's a lateral system that it uses, and it uses two drops of fluid into it to actually give you an instant, instant, instant. Now, okay, so what, what, how, I mean, so, so overall the time for that test to work is how long did you say, in total? 15, 15, 15 minutes. Okay, if, 15, if, if you 20 break minutes. break it down into that, so. Okay, we'll so, add me, with administration and everything, let's say max half hour, okay? So, okay, so in relation to that test, how many, what's the story? I mean, what, what research has been done into false negatives, false positives? Okay, okay, okay. So again, so the accuracy of this test in two clinical trials is 97.8%. Well, not the 50% that we spoke about earlier, but it has two, well, actually three, three major, major, major implications. One, it does not need a laboratory. So the test is instant, and it's it's a. And what about test. training? Do I have to be, a, you know, okay. a trained epidemiologist or a virologist no, no, to do no, it? No, 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 no. It's it's a it's a fantastic question. So any medical person can do it. So, for example, and quantifying a medical person being a paramedic, because all the paramedics in this country have been trained how to take the swab. Okay. All they have to do is take the swab, and then it's as simple as shining a UV light on top of it, and it's it's exactly the same as a pregnancy testing kit, 
a line appears. Okay, but you, but to, just to clarify, it, it's not a pregnancy testing kit, but no. it, it's a similar process. It's a, yeah, it's the It's the process is, is exactly the yeah, same. No, so, I don't want, no, I'm just saying that because I don't want people oh, yeah, running yeah, out yeah. to their localities okay. and getting so pregnancy the, tests. To test now. <laughs> so here's so here's the two big advantages. Then after that, right? So first of all, could you set it up in the airport and could you test a plane load of people with yeah. ten with ten people administering this? You could, and you could do it in less than ninety minutes. So you, you could have a plane load of people, of 300 people coming in, having about, yeah. say, 10 or 20 people to admin on standby with these yeah. tests. You could do the plane load of people probably in about two hours, a two-hour wait maybe. That's those finished, out the other okay. side. And, and, and they actually could leave with a, well, so that, a well, I, well, I said this to Stephen Donnelly five weeks ago. Now, he did say it. I know we said it in the doll there yesterday or the day before, right? But I said to him, I, I don't know. This would keep the airline industry going. It would Correct. keep tourism going. Um, it would allow people to come into the country and we would have confidence that those people with a very small margin of error would be Correct. safe to allow into the country. Correct. So why aren't we doing it? So, well, well, I'm going to give you the last two pieces of the puzzle and then we laugh that question. So here's okay. the last two pieces of okay. the puzzle. So as part of the testing process, we have the lateral cassette and it takes the, it takes the, the, the full test and tells you whether you're positive or you're not positive. So in a nursing home, in a building site, yep. in anywhere that you can get, you know, a, a local... We can allow people to visit their loved ones in hospitals and nursing homes. 100%. By having, yeah, yeah. 100%. Two people can go into a nursing home with 100 people in it, and an hour and a half later they can leave, everybody's tested and they all have results. Now, what you've left over is you have a vial of Hank solution that can then be separately tested in a laboratory under the PCR test. So this test is a dual test. It's both. It's both a fast test, which is instant and there, and a field test. Okay. And it also has All right, a okay. But no, I, I'm, I'm just kind of running out of time here. But, but Chris, so what, I mean, you're from Key Diagnostics. What, have yeah. you approached the government? Have you approached the DAA? Yeah. Have you approached all the other organizations we, that we have responsible we, and said, okay, so to answer How much question, is it? How much, how much does it cost? No, that, was, that was the last piece. Right? Yeah. So at, at, it's 30 euros. That's okay. what the cost of it is. And the government are, are citing at the moment uh, 200 euros for a test. Right. Now, that's over a hundred million. Well, I, I suppose you you have to take into consideration the cost of staffing oh, and administration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of, of course you do. So yeah. that's so what you're saying is that's 170 euros for well, a free I know test. it shouldn't really be that much for no, somebody. Well, but I mean, they can do two and three people at the same time, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Oh, it, it, yeah. one, one, one person, as soon as the swab is taken, it's yeah. handed to the next person. So one person's doing the swab, the next person is yeah. reading the information. Absolutely, yeah. And, and to conveyor question, a conveyor belt system, obviously, yeah. yeah. And to answer your question, yes, the government have it. Yes, we have given the input to test it. Have they tested it? No. Have they given us feedback? No. And we are appealing here on air right now that any endocrinologist, professor, anybody who wants to test it, we would love to speak to you because at the moment it's a shut door and I don't know why. Okay, and you have this testing system in stock in, in, in key stock. diagnostics. I, I can actually send by courier to you that in the next hour you'll have it on your desk with all of the backup information, with all of the brochures, and with all... I'd, I'd be interested to see it. Well, you don't have to send it by courier, but I'd be interested to see the system and see how it works. But look, Chris, I'll talk to you more about it. I don't have too much time today, but I will talk to you yeah. more about it, and I, we will get on to that, because I, I don't understand why it's not being used, if that is the Neither case. Neither do I. All Neither right, listen, and it's, Chris... And it's, not, it's not just because we're, we're involved with it. Like, I mean, this is something... Well, no, I understand, but you do have skin in the game, obviously. You know? Oh, yeah, well, like, yeah. I, but I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, my wife is frontline. I mean, I know that that... that that there are people crying out for this. Well, no, absolutely. Well, look, it would make life easier for a lot of industry and a lot of sectors across the country. Chris, I'm running out of time. I have to go, but I will talk to you more about it because I am very, very interested.
interested as well. Okay, and Helena pick up the phone to you there. Uh, I, and I am really interested because I don't know why we're not doing that. If we have a testing system that works a lot quicker and is reliable, I'd like to see those studies, and is reliable, why are we not using it? They're all sending in their lists of wedding songs. And speaking of weddings, Mark, you've got five weddings. You're a wedding singer. You have five weddings on in August. Yeah. I still have, uh, basically, I, I have a band on Nile and I was talking to you yesterday, but I um, I do a lot of one-piece work as well. Now, the, wedding, the weddings have all com- confirmed that they're actually still going ahead. So um, are they going to have to reduce their numbers now? They have reduced the numbers. One of, one of them has reduced to 40, you know, like, but you have, like, you have to take into consideration if you've got a band that's five members. You know, you, you oh yeah, that's because I never, yeah, I know the the barmen, the waitresses and waiters, uh, the should the band should there be nothing left for the guests. Yeah, there'd be nothing left for the guests. I mean, like, there'd be twenty people, there'd be twenty staff. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's a very unfair situation on young couples who had booked their weddings, cancelled them, rebooked them again, knowing that this phase was coming in, thinking I can invite ninety people or eighty people, including the staff, or you know, excluding the staff, and then all of a sudden to be told, I'm sorry, you have to take another 30 or 40 off that list again. Exactly. And what the, what, what's happening as well is that the hotels, some of the hotels are not giving them, like I, one of the hotels, I actually, my first wedding is, is Saturday night. Um, now, that, that wedding, that hotel is saying that there's no dancing allowed. There's now, no the wedding, dancing allowed? No dancing allowed, yeah. Uh, right. Now, uh, there's another wedding I'm doing the week after in another hotel. He said that he's adamant there is dancing allowed, you know, so they, they, they just don't they don't know what to do no I have I have my own personal experience to put up in front of me I don't know I don't know if anybody can legislate and, and I don't understand this against people dancing now I know that you must to have uh, people dancing on your premises I know people might not know this you need a dance license right okay yes. so because I remember when I worked in Faces nightclub many many moons ago 1993 and the residents are complaining about the noise so we had to go to court and the judge withdrew our dance license so we still opened yeah. that Saturday night and we had to put ropes across the dance floor and oh, the guards true. came in to check to see if people were dancing my god what constitutes as dancing does it mean moving your feet it's in time with the music it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, that's it exactly like like if the wedding is a small so, so small as you said like you, you've got a max of 50 people you've got to take staff into consideration you've got to yeah. take whoever else is there like you're, you're going to be down to, to, to 30 40 people max that 30 40 people are going to be close family you know what i mean so there shouldn't be restrictions against them dancing yeah, There's, yeah. Like, and by the way, okay, so getting back to wedding songs, because I started this conversation earlier on, I should have opened my mouth because everybody's texting in the wedding songs. Somebody says, what about 500 miles by them Scottish lads? I, I brought, don't, yeah, I don't, okay. I done a wedding, I done a wedding a couple of years ago and it was, it was both their second um, marriage and their first song was Upside Diddle again by Britney Spears. Oh, right. <laughs> so <laughs> what, so what is the most requested though. song, Mark, for you to Ed sing? Ed Sheeran at the moment. Is, Ed Sheeran ah, is the most I could live without that. And, uh, yeah, and, and it seems to be still a top. Well, when it comes to father, daughter, Nancy, it's I loved her first, and that's and that's that right, okay. nothing else. Only that. Like, go on, give, give us give us a bar of Ed Sheeran before <laughs> we go on, Mark. Don't let no, me down. No, no, no. Give me I, a bar, I, I, Mark. You're a professional <laughs> bloody singer. I only sing unless I get paid, Nile. <laughs> well, we might be able to talk to you, could you? Wait, no, I'm joking. <laughs> give us give us two lines of the bloody song. Uh, uh, go on, go on, Mark. Just hold the phone the a little road bit road. away from you before we get to the news. Go on. Okay. Give us two lines. I found a love for me. Darling, just have it in. Follow my lead. There you go. Well, well done, Mark. Well done. I'm booking you. What's the name of the band again, by the way? Millennium's band. What's, it, what's the name of the band? 
Millennium. We started in, in 1999 and we, we, we chose the name Millennium over the Millennium, but then okay. it kind of just stuck since then. And we've okay, Millennium. Okay, and what's, and what's, do you have a website? Uh, we, we, yeah, we, we, it's, it's, um, we, I actually work with a guy called Ted Dunn, so Ted Dunn Entertainment, and we have our Facebook page for Millennium. Okay, Band, all right, okay. And do you sing Amarillo? Yeah. Can you, do you sing Amarillo? This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is the way to Amarillo. I tried, I tried to stand away, stay away from the cheese, to be honest. You know what I mean? My father, when my father used to always sing at the wedding, they don't, do they still do that where they call people up to sing at weddings? Not, not, not. No, anymore. it's, it's uh, terrible. They, they, it? they used to do it years ago because, um, but like it, 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 nowadays, like you're paying for a band, you're paying so much money after. But my dad used to always get up, and my because you know you have vibrato in a microphone, right? But yeah, my yeah, father yeah. wouldn't need vibrato. He had his own vibrato. What he would do is yeah, shake yeah. his head. So he would always yeah. sing, "I <laughs> did it my way." The old, yeah, the old people the, I, I call him sheep. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, thanks very much, Mark. Have a good day. See you, bye. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.